And a warm good morning from our studios here in Kilner Park in Pretoria, where we uh, tackle contentious issues that affect our Christian world on a daily basis. The program called Brunpen. Well, our topic for discussion this morning is all about favoritism and partiality. What does the Bible have to say with regards to that? Favoritism is an age-old problem that we have to face and deal with according to the Bible. Favoritism and partiality are not from God. And Christians, grandparents, parents, and human beings are called to love and not to show favoritism. Yet, as humans, we tend to form judgments based on selfish, personal criteria rather than seeing others as God see them. Reading the Bible, it's clear that Jacob is characterized by two central yet seemingly contradictory facets. On the one hand, he is the patriarch who is always around his kids. He's a father and a husband, first and foremost, a real family man, you would say. On the other hand, his family appears to be deeply dysfunctional, with strife and bitterness and jealousy rendering the family asunder. Beginning with the time that he was a boy, Jacob witnessed his father Isaac's favoritism towards Esau. When he gets older, Jacob repeats this very error by favoring Joseph. It's almost unbelievable that the Bible actually says, and I quote, And Jacob, known as Israel, loved his son Joseph more than all his other sons. Which father does that or is so blatant about it? Well, this leads, of course, to enormous, almost deadly resentment towards Joseph from his elder siblings, and the rest is history, as the saying goes. Stay tuned as we at uh, Brunpunt discuss a biblical viewpoint on this age-old problem of favoritism and partiality. Don't stray or go away as we'll be back with our respondent, Right after this. Well, we back in the program, Brunpunt, with our promised respondent online, Dr. Anthony Fantone, well-known here at Radio Pulpit. Anthony, a warm-hearted good morning. Welcome to our Brunpunt studio. Just in a nutshell, what are you up to nowadays? How do you keep yourself busy, sir? Well, Vainant, I've been blessed at a so I'm just relishing um, the age of saying, what can I do to make a difference? And, you know, nothing has changed. And that is that I would just like to shape others for significance. And uh, it's just incredible how the Lord sends people on my path so I can just help them and father them to a next level of proficiency. I just love it. I just It's like a game for me. I just love where I am right now. Well, shaping people into significance, definitely what we're doing this morning, talking about favoritism and partiality and the Bible's view on that. Anthony, can I start with asking you, is favoritism a reality in our modern-day society? And and who, who are the perpetrators, if I can use that word, of this obscure practice? Well, Vena, the truth is favoritism is real, favoritism is alive, and one would have loved to say that it's, uh, it's obviously reared its heads as a perpetrating point of view at work, but the truth is it starts at home, no doubt. I can see uh, favoritism in homes, in every home that I have come in uh, connection with, and also especially when it goes to the next generation. Grandfathers and grandmothers uh, are really showing favoritism. It's, it, it's, it's all of us. So let's keep it away from work. Let's make it real. It's us in family. 
It's interesting that you say it's us and family. I've been asking around here at the radio station, and it seems that everybody is affected one way or the other. The, the middle child syndrome, so to speak. So would you say it's a practice that starts in the family and then eventually flows over into politics, into the workplace, into every sphere of life? It definitely starts at home. I'm a middle child. I'm the second child. So I can tell you now in terms of middle child syndrome, I have shown every single aspect of what they say that happens to a child of that nature. And it carries through in life because before you find yourself, you actually duplicate what you saw. And also it goes through in the workplace. So it really affects you in all levels. So, yes, it starts with the family and that's reality. At what age did you realize for the first time, Anthony, that there's such a thing as partiality, as, as favoritism? How did it affect you as the second child, the middle one? I can tell you that I was about um, 11 to 12 years old. 11, yes, I was 11 when I really noticed that, hold on, I'm the second child and Without a doubt, unfortunately, my dad just, he has chosen uh, my older sister as his favorite pet. But then the, what really said is that my mother came to my defense and she started basically favoring me. So when the, my brother came after me, it was then he was the one that basically was suffering because now he was sort of the middle, middle child syndrome. And it was such a reality. And sadly, in my own life, I saw that. And then when I had the opportunity to have my own children, when I reflected back, I realized I fell into the same trap that the oldest child got more attention, more photographs of that child. And when I look at the photographs of the second child, oh, my gosh, there was an absence. The same problem repeated itself. Absolutely amazed by that. Does favoritism then breeds a favoritism? Does it become a, a vicious cycle, even though the Bible says we, we shouldn't do it? We should stay clear from this. Bernard, I think, you know, it's all about role modeling. You know, people do what you do. People do not do what you say. So if it was seen in your house, you know, with the way I was raised, it was real for me. And then I saw that I actually fell in the trap myself, which means that cycle was repeated. And myself being a man of God and at an early age being sold out to live the biblical way, I couldn't believe that I fell in the same trap, which means conditioning plays their role because you do what you saw. So, yes, I was a victim of that, and I admit it 100%. Do you agree with it that uh, looking at the examples that we've cited in the intro to this uh, pro program, Jacob's family, a real family man, yet his family struggled almost with dysfunctionality, with strife, with bitterness, with jealousy. Did you experience the same thing, strife, bitterness, jealousy, when you realize there's partiality, there's favoritism here? Without a doubt. In fact, you know, uh, when you see the favoritism, for instance, let's say the one child does something and gets applauded and gets loved and gets everybody gets told, look how cute this child was. But yet when you try and do something, you ignore it. Therefore, the jealousy sets in. In fact, it sometimes goes even to rage and anger because you get angry because people are not seeing that. And you want to be noticed. So you're... Your whole way of living for attention becomes unhealthy, and that, is, and that permits itself into older life. And the same if you look at what happened to, let's start with Jacob and Esau. As you know, Isaac favored Esau, 
Why? He was his oldest son. He was rugged. He was a hunter. Best course, he made good food, and the father loved good food. But the mother sided with Jacob. So in the very household that he had, Esau was favored by, the, by, by his father, Isaac, and Jacob was then loved by Rebekah. Exactly there what we saw is what happened in my own household. I, cannot, I couldn't believe it, so we just see it. It is the nature of man to default, to favor those that in some way brings um, accolades to us. Like in the case of Esau, Esau made good food, and his father loved his food, and therefore he was favored. But then Jacob was the quiet one. He was more around the tents. He was not the hunter. He spent time with, with his mother, and his mother loved the quality time with him, and therefore she favored him. So there's always something that the child brings to the parent that causes the favoritism. And in reverse, it grows. Anthony, you testify freely that you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Somewhere, somehow in your life, God revealed his grace to you. In this process of growing in holiness, where did you realize I've fallen into the same trap? I've, I've got to do something about this because this is not from God. Did you discover it in the Bible? Did somebody point it out to you? How did you discover that you're struggling with the effects of partiality, of favoritism, and that, that it has, in fact, an effect on your life and your family? Well, you not believe it was as easy as this. Somebody said to me, please show me the photographs of your children. And I started showing them at that stage. Um, my daughters were, say, on the ages, one was about 11, and the other one was 9. And I started looking at the pictures, and I found I could hardly find pictures of the second child. That's when I, was, I challenged myself, and I went, why? How come there was so much more attention to the first child? Because obviously, as a parent, you don't want to get it wrong. So the first child, you want to be perfect. You train them up to be more obedient in a sense. You train them up to be more responsible. But the second child falls through the cracks. But the mere fact when somebody asked me, please show me the photographs, and I couldn't find sufficient photographs or the equivalent amount, I realized I'd fallen into the trap. And that's exactly when I went to the Lord's feet and I went, you know, Lord, I've fallen into the trap. How can I remedy this? You went to the Lord, you repented from this because God, through His Spirit, pointed that out using somebody else. Did you ever have to go to that middle child, to, to the daughter, and say, listen, I, I'm a father, but I've, I've really missed the boat on this one. Did you ever have to ask forgiveness to, to the second child? You know, yes, I did, but only about seven years later, because here's the truth. At that stage, I realized it. And started trying to rectify it. But, you know, I couldn't take photographs of the previous nine years. They were done and dusted. Yeah. But there was still that subtle positioning. So that when my second child basically went to um, college and she finished college, I realized I missed out on the latter part of her life. And I then went to and I, I apologized profusely and asked her for forgiveness and said, I really could have been more involved in your life. And um, up to today, it, there's still there's still there's, there's strife. It's she doesn't really trust that I will be there for her, and I don't blame her because she's been conditioned that I was absent as a father because I was always there for the older sister. Well, as somebody uh, said, give me a child for the first seven years and I'll cement whatever it is into their hearts. Your understanding of the scriptures, Anthony, is the Bible against favoritism? Is the Bible in your understanding in your Christian walk against partiality? Absolutely. 
Let's just go straight to Romans 2 verse 11. For God does not show favoritism. Oh my word. You know, when you read that one verse, it just jumps out at you that God, the loving God that created us, does not show favoritism. In fact, in business, we used to say the rising tide lifts all ships, which means even doesn't matter whether the good people or bad people. God blesses everybody. You know, when the rain comes, it falls on the barren and it falls on the spoiled. So in every aspect of when we look at how God operates, there's no differentiation. There's no favoritism, not even in nature, because everybody gets the same advantages. Oh, wow. So when you look at the word of God, Romans 2 verse 11, for God does not show favoritism, we need to understand that it's sinful to show favoritism. There's just no excuse. Anthony, somebody listening to us now that suffered the effects, and we're not pointing fingers here. We're just showing something that is a reality in in this modern-day society. It comes from Bible times. So, you know, it started for you in your household. You realized at the age of 11, favoritism, partiality, it affected you to the extent that it happened in your own family. If somebody is listening at his radio now, suffering the effects to this very day, and sometimes we see it when it comes to uh, the passing of a loved one, a mother or father, grandmother, grandfather, and the reading of the walls, and uh, we see it clearly there. Uh, It's more prevalent, more evident there. What would you say to that individual if you have to speak to her or him right now? Can that be restored? Can that person be restored? Can that person be healed from that hurt of favoritism? I would want to say to that person, number one, first acknowledge and say, that is me. Because, you know, if you can say that is me, you're actually acknowledging that it did affect you. Because we're not going to say and, and, and agree that it is you. Because then there's no agreement, there's no healing. Healing comes with you coming in agreement with yourself that it did affect you and it did hurt you and it did have an effect. And you can see it in two ways. If you're listening right now, it's one of two ways. You were either the rebel, that means you did stupid things to draw attention, like put purple color in your hair at a time just to draw attention. It really is one of those things saying, you were not noticed and you're saying, please notice me. Or... You did the opposite. You absolutely withdrew in your shell and you became a quiet person, but you excluded yourself from the family activities and rather started getting a circle of friends where you felt more loved and more appreciated. But you knew those were not the right kind of friends, and therefore you wanted to break free. Well, it's not your fault. That's the first thing to realize, and that is that there's a God of forgiveness, and all you need to do is first to come into agreement with yourself and say, that's me. Secondly, Go to the Lord like I did and say, Lord, I acknowledge that I was deprived and I'm not going to take responsibility, but I will take responsibility for myself. Will you help me overcome exactly that with which I've been struggling? So that is you. Come to the feet of the Lord and that is your solution. And you know what? He's a loving God because what did the word just say? He shows no favoritism. (laughs) Yes, he wants to restore you. And that is the beauty of the word. Yeah, and a beautiful metaphor that you've used are all tides, rising tides, lifts all ships. Absolutely beautiful. Anthony, we're well aware, speaking about favoritism and and partiality, we're well aware, and I think we can all think of somebody 
who, who, who practice this, this um, ungodly thing of showing favoritism, partiality. So we can all point fingers here, but what if I'm blind to my own character? What if I'm the one who fits the criteria this morning? What if I'm the one showing favoritism and partiality? How will I know? And is it possible to stop this? Yes, it is, but it takes other believers to love you enough, to be honest with you. You know, it wasn't until somebody, uh, like I said, because the question was asked about the photographs, somebody else actually pointed it out to me, whether indirectly or directly. So if you are not even aware of it, allow people who you love to speak into your life by asking the question, can I ask you straight up, do you think that I favor any one of my children or do you think I favor any one of my grandchildren? If your friends love you enough, they'll tell you the truth. And if they do, and you never realized it, there's an opportunity to remedy it. But be open to change. Somebody listening to this program this morning, a grandfather, a grandmother, a mother, a father, just somebody who loves the Lord. Is it possible to love all people the same. Is it possible? Somebody once said, your kids has always got to do with your neck. They're either a lump in the throat or a pain in the neck, but, but they're always there. Is it possible to love your kids all the same? You know, that takes a very special kind of approach because once you realize that God's love for everybody is the same, and you say, Lord, teach me your ways, it starts growing on you. But it's so natural to just somehow love your children in a different way. And that's okay too. But don't allow yourself to fall into the trap of loving the one more than the other. Because the moment you do, that child will feel it. And they will know it. You cannot hide it from them. We emotional beings, they will pick it up. They will know. Just in closing, we've spoken about the family. What about partiality and favoritism in the workplace? Have you got uh, something to share on that? Absolutely. I can tell you now that people who have been prone and fallen prey to uh, being at the end of favoritism, they go into the workplace and they do exactly the same. They cultivate their own friendships, their own pockets of favoritism, and it has an adverse effect because the other employees see it. They say, but hold on, why come that person is always the boss's favorite? And, And there's a clue for you. If anybody's had ever said to you the word favorite, you must understand that you have fallen to the trap and you are guilty. So even in business, don't do it. Well, it's easy to look at others and uh, and see the faults and the mistakes that others make. It's much harder to look in your own heart and say, I am he or she. I am the guilty one. In closing, your final thoughts to our listeners this morning on the topic of favoritism and uh, partiality, God's word on it. Your final thoughts this morning, Anthony, please. Friends, let's just be real. Favoritism is a reality because we're emotional beings and everyone tends to fall into the trap. But when we want to do it God's way, when God says that he has no favorites, why don't we try and just strive to do it his way? You know, uh, he has given us our sins of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Therefore, we do not have to battle with the sin. We just have to bring it to his feet. So if that is you today, just ask yourself the question, am I in any way showing favor to others that I should not above others? And if the answer is yes, repent, fix it, and strive to live a life better, a life worthy of your calling.
Well, it's very clear after listening to this program this morning. Never again can you say, I did not hear, I did not know. Whether it's the good, the bad, or the ugly, you have no right to show partiality or favoritism. With that, Dr. Anthony Fontonda, thank you so much for sharing your heart with us this morning. And may God bless you and your family richly. And thank you so much for your brutal honesty. It couldn't have been easy, but thank you so much for sharing your heart with us this morning in Brampant. Bless you, Valen. Bless you, Ready Pulpit listeners. Ready Pulpit to the rescue and uh, honoring God. Thank you.